Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Yeah, here we are. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Man, it is toasty out already. It's going to be 92, 93 today. Wow. Yeah, it seemed like we went from winter to summer, and there was like two days of spring, and that's it. But that's, I guess that's the way it goes in Utah's Dixie. Good morning to you all. Traffic is light still as we all start talking about reopening businesses and stuff today. Uh, a, a Kind of a, a news note, there is a press conference today uh, here in Washington County. A county commission is going to speak, but the, the main uh, person conducting the press conference is Dr. David Blodgett, the director of the Southwest Utah Public Health Department. And it's going to be interesting. I don't know what this press conference is about. This is unusual. They put a press release out every day, uh, but this is the first press conference they've had in, that I'm aware of in quite some time. My guess, uh, if I had to speculate, maybe the big crowds at San Hollow and, and uh, Quail this weekend. Uh, I, I don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll find out at 1030 is the press conference. You can actually watch it live on Facebook. Just go to the Southwest Utah Health uh, Facebook page, and uh, you can actually watch that thing live. Uh, as soon as I get off the air, I'm going to tune that thing in and figure it out as well. Uh, we've got a guest on today, a couple of guests. Uh, first of all, Brian Hyde is here. Brian, how are you, man? Hey, I'm well. Great. Feeling like I missed out on something since I didn't come down to San Hollow on Saturday. Well, I think the rest was there. Yeah, the rest of the state was here, so (laughs) you might as well have been. They actually shut it down. I think about one o'clock in the afternoon, they actually stopped accepting people uh, coming. I had I had a friend uh, post a rather vulgar and angry post online because he couldn't get in to go fishing because there were so many people. (laughs) He was pretty mad. But, uh, yeah, people people uh, out there kind of, I don't know, Brian, are they ignoring the advice of our leaders, or are they just kind of saying, I can't take it anymore? Um, it could be that. It could be either one of them. I don't know. I uh, Personally, I was kind of banking on maybe it was a an outbreak of common sense, <laughs> meaning, meaning people were willing to resume their lives, even though they recognize, look, the coronavirus is still around, but... Maybe it's not the the threat that it was portrayed to be. So if we go out and we're still careful, we can resume our lives, plus the nice weather. I mean, who can blame them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Brian, by the way, LovingLiberty.net is his website. He has a podcast and uh, a radio program. We're working feverishly to get on the air here on KDXU, maybe uh, starting with the weekend mornings, and, and uh, we'll, we'll keep working from there, Brian. But uh, I, unfortunately, I don't have any new progress to report, except that we were asked to make a case for why we should put your show on the air, and I think me and uh, Tim uh, up in Cedar both made a pretty compelling case, so hopefully the powers that be will say, yeah, let's do it. Uh, but anyway, back to back to this uh, freedom thing. Um, you know, it, it strikes me that your show called Loving Liberty should be directly opposed to the uh, coronavirus restrictions put in place. You haven't exactly been completely opposed, but certainly that's something that's been on your mind. Yeah, it's it's not so much that, uh, you know, I, I oppose uh, the, the common sense suggestions of, look, keep your distance if you're at high risk isolate yourself, you know, wash your hands, don't pick your nose, whatever it is, that makes sense. And I think that's actually good advice. I do have a bit of trouble with um, people in authority, especially unelected authority, you know, um, issuing directives that carry the weight of law, like criminal penalties, and and seeing those things enforced like that. That's very troubling to me because that seems like it could be a source of, of great mischief. Listen to uh, a bit of your podcast today. 
by the way, go to lovingliberty.net to listen to it. Uh, and you refer to an article by thehill.com. Uh, basically, the well, the headline is, the data is in, stop the panic, and end the total isolation. Um, they make a compelling case in this article. Maybe we can go over a couple of things and, you know, as, as we go through. And we are, we are going to take some phone calls as well, folks, before we have to go to the Vibrant You Show, before we get to go to the Vibrant You Show at 930. But um, one of the things is we need to be aware, Brian, that the odds of someone that you know or you yourself dying from COVID-19 are, are extremely low. Yeah. And, and when you put those in perspective with, um, you know, the odds of dying in an automobile accident or dying from heart disease, um, those, those odds become even more, you know, remote, like, oh, well, that's, that's not so terrible after all. The article you referenced from uh, Dr. Scott Atlas isn't poo-pooing it's not a denial thing it's not like oh this is all a hoax and it's it's just you know uh, this is an excuse for the new world order to come marching in it's it's a physician saying there are at least i think he gives five very solid facts that seem to be ignored by the ones who are calling for either increased or continuing lockdowns and it comes it comes down to what you're talking about which is for most of us the vast majority of us the, the risk of coronavirus and dying from coronavirus is very, very small, less than 1%, less than a tenth of 1% for most. And I, I think if we have symptoms, the chances of you actually testing positive are like 5%. And that's if you have symptoms and get tested. And then, of course, if you have it, if you're of a, an age like, you know, like, like uh, we are, are you still in your 50s, Brian? You are, right? I am. Okay. Yep. If, if you're our age, the odds are extremely low of you actually getting a serious case or dying from it. And and so the frustration out there, of course, for most people, when they see those numbers, they go, well, why are we doing all this, right? Well, and, you know, the, the problem that I see is the, the politicians and some of the bureaucrats who have stepped forward, and we're going to save you from this, they keep saying the words, we have no choice. We have no choice but to lock it all down. And, and the problem in my mind is it's not that they have no choice, it's that they've seen no choice. They're, they're speaking the language of politicians, which is to, you know, to seize control, to, to mandate, you, we will do this and we will do that. Politicians can make laws to try to stop bad things from happening. And sometimes they can prevent bad things from happening, but sometimes they make other bad things happen, like businesses fail or people get pushed into despondency. Um, there, there are trade-offs that have to be made. And somehow I think we have to be a part of that uh, decision-making process. What trade-offs are we willing to make in this case? I wanted to ask you, too, about uh, this herd immunity. I, I don't have a complete understanding of this, but uh, the, from what I've been reading, they're saying the fact that we're actually isolating and staying away from this may actually be hurting us as a population. Yeah, I'm, I'm not well-schooled on herd immunity either. It's, I guess the idea is if you get enough low-risk people um, coming in contact with the virus, they pre- they create the antibodies and in turn, you know, create an immunity to it without having to go through, you know, uh, the the tougher part of the disease, the people who are more at risk. Sweden, I, I have seen, is being held as an example of a nation that didn't shut down their economy, didn't, you know, shut down all their businesses um, and, and allowed people go, to, go about your lives, but just, you know, use care. And my understanding is that about 60% of the Swedish population has probably been exposed, which means they are approaching herd immunity much quicker than those of us who've you know, squirreled ourselves away you know, to, to outweigh the virus. 
One of the other things that really stuck out to me on this article that we're referencing from thehill.com was that people are dying because other medical care is not getting done. They're calling such uh, surgeries as uh, cancer biopsies as as non-essential. That doesn't make any sense to me at all, Brian. We know that we can save people's lives, and yet we're stopping that uh, just because the coronavirus is around. Doesn't doesn't that seem a little backwards to you? It does. And I mentioned earlier, you know, in my own show that uh, I talked with a friend who works in the medical field. I mean, he often works in the operating room. And I was surprised at how many people in the the medical field work on those uh, so-called non-essential procedures. In other words, it's not the intensive care, emergency room, life-threatening stuff. Uh, but it was it was over 50 percent of, of uh, those workers have found themselves, you know, idled because all the attention and, and materials being focused on coronavirus and just in case, and let's keep this clear, just in case we need these beds. And, and, and you know, here in St. George, we've had so few hospitalizations. I had Dr. Carroll on. He's the director, medical director at Dixie Regional. And he was had to be very careful how he worded things, but essentially he was saying, well, our hospital is pretty empty right now. Uh, there's, there's only critical care things going on, and there's no, no or very few COVID patients and uh, it's it just seems so odd to me. If I have a heart problem and it's not critical that I get it done right away, they're going to tell me to wait until this whole thing is blown over. In the meantime, you know, I I expire. That's that's just screwy, if you ask me. <laughs> All yeah, right, with, without a doubt. Let's go to the phone lines, Brian. Are you okay with that? Let's do it. All right, uh, caller, you're on with Andy and with Brian Hyde. What's up today? I think Brian Hyde ought to go into lockdown. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, he's been he's been on these radio stations for so long, nobody pays any attention to him anymore. He belongs over on fourteen fifty. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I I kind of like what Brian has to say. What don't you like about what he's saying? No, he hung up already. All right. Maybe that was sarcasm. My sarcasm meter started smoking here just a second ago <laughs> and putting out sparks. So are you sure that, that wasn't your sarcasm? You sure that wasn't your pit barrel cooker making all that smoke? <laughs> but, all right, let's go to line three. Caller, you're on with Andy with Brian Hyde. What's on your mind? Uh, yes, uh, um, he he's uh, one of your biggest supporters, I believe, uh, Brian. Um, in reverse, huh? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, I've got, uh, I I think it's uh, uh, Fox News this morning put on 234% increase in liquor sales. (laughs) Spike in suicide. Families are falling apart. Divorce numbers are going up. Births of children are going down. Hmm. This is far more reaching than we can imagine if this came from a Chinese biolab, and that's a big if, and we may have participated in that with our own money, uh, because the, the biological warfare people share information. And so if somebody in China is doing some landmark research, we have a tendency to support that with our money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, by and large, I do not believe if this is a virus, I don't believe there's going to be a vaccine. Because the vaccines we have now for other coronaviruses 
are 10% effective. Yeah. Okay, so we need to stop deluding ourselves to think that on the 1st of May, if you shoot Clorox into your arm like the president misrepresented, and and I think he's going to back off of these things now, and, and the idea that, you know, this is just going to disappear is delusional. And the scientists are saying, 18 months, but that's based on a vaccine. And this morning, 55,000 Americans have died needlessly from a new novel, Corona-19. So this is real. I mean, we have all their kind of real. By the way, I did a cancer screening for some dermatitis, uh, for some things that were growing. I'm in lockdown because I'm highly at risk. And uh, I'm not going to follow whether they open up Sand Hollow or not. I'm going to continue the way I've been doing because I'm a person that if, if it comes to it, I could be susceptible to it, and I'm going to try to avoid it as best I can. Now, did you but say you did a cancer screening, Seth? No, I. The, the VA has closed their office. Wow. I walked up to the door, and they wanted to triage me, and I, I'm only allowed to go in there if they invite me over the phone. Wow. Wow, I that... don't understand. And then to try to find a dermatologist that it would take me because I wasn't, I was a patient of Dr. Berger in the past, many, many years ago. Had I not told them that I was a patient, they wouldn't have allowed me to come. That is, that is wild. Uh, Brian, it kind of, you know, Seth illustrates exactly what we've been talking about. There's People out there that need medical care, yeah, it's not urgent. You're not going to go to the ER, and they're not going to you know, stitch you up from bleeding to death. But th- th- we're talking about urgent, real medical care that's not being done. Yeah, there are people who are definitely delaying things. And, and even when they have something you know, wrong, like, oh, I've cut my finger. I think I need stitches. But uh, if I go to the ER, am I going to expose myself to coronavirus? And so you have a lot of different things to weigh up. Maybe somebody with appendix pain. I don't know if it's appendicitis, but I'll wait until it ruptures just to be sure. Wow. Um, we're, we're, we're putting our own health on the back burner. Those moles on my back, I probably should have them looked at, but, you know, coronavirus. So I'll put it off for a while longer. One of the things that's crazy to me is if we're, if we're ultra cautious, then even if, even if it turns out we were ultra cautious, everybody's like, well, we, we, we fixed it because we were ultra cautious. Whereas if we start resuming life as, you know, normal, uh, and we have another, I don't know, another outbreak or, or a surge, a peak, whatever you want to call it, uh, then everybody can say how res- irresponsible and terrible we were. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a right answer, Brian. No, the, the key, I think, is that we can't let ourselves be caught on the horns of that false dilemma where uh, it's, look, it's either this or it's that. You're either in favor of these lockdowns or you don't care. You're just sticking your head in the sand. You're <laughs> pretending it doesn't exist. No, there are actually a lot of different choices, but those choices are best made by the people who actually have something at stake. The business owners, the people whose, uh, whose health may be compromised, you know, some immunodeficiency, they are the ones who have the greatest stake. Let them make those decisions without good information, like Sweden did. Trust the citizens to do the right thing. But, of course, to do that, we have to be able to speak freely. And, uh, you know, when you're accused of, well, you're trying to kill people if you mm-hmm. go to Santa Hollow. 
well, I don't feel like I can speak very freely or even be out there freely if that's the judgment somebody's going to rain down on me. We're short on time, Brian. I did want to ask you about this whole Joe Biden uh, thing. He's been accused of sexual misconduct. The liberals, the Democrats, are basically trying to sweep that under the rug, even though they made such a big deal when this happened to Justice Kavanaugh and even to President Trump. Uh, it just sure seems like a, a little hip- hypocrisy at work. Well, you know, even double standards, you know, that mean that we can't accuse them of having no standards, right? So, um, <laughs> I, you know, not just Joe Biden, but I'll say this in general, when, when there are accusations of powerful people, you know, um, engaging in, uh, you know, bad conduct like that, when people hear over and over, you are so great, you are so powerful, you know, you are, you're changing the world, you're saving the world. I think some of them start to believe it, and some of them start to act like it. You know, the rules for you mere mortals don't apply to me. I can do whatever I want. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see powerful people, you know, prone to those kinds of uh, uh, behavior. I'm not saying I know for sure he did anything. I'm just saying it's not out of the realm of possibility. And they sure try to make it, make, tried to make it go away. It's not going to go away, though, I don't think, as, as he is and now the, uh, well, he's going to be the Democratic nominee for president. So, Brian, we have used up the time, but next week you'll be on again, and hopefully we'll get you on the weekends full time as well, my friend. Hey, I love it. Thank you so much, Andy. Great to visit with you. Yeah, great talking to you today, Brian. Take care.